You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your tournament re- Recap for the Northern Trust, the Dustin Johnson Open, I believe it's been renamed. Joining me to break it all down and talk DJ, let's bring him in, Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? What a weekend. I mean, it's not often you get to celebrate something where you know what the outcome is. And for Dustin Johnson this weekend, I mean, he, he's elevated his game. It's, it's really impressive what a scoring differential he has in this year. I mean, if this was a stock... It would kind of mirror what we have going on in the market right now. So it's been, been very interesting. What a weekend. Uh, unbelievable stuff from Dustin Johnson, KP, Kyle Porter. The, the Twitter sphere on Sunday was essentially just who could get as many Dustin Johnson crazy stats out there before he wrapped it up. Yeah, it was just it was an extravaganza for Justin Ray to show to show off. Um, by the way, I need more of Greg talking about the stock market. Let's 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 get deep on that. That would be that would be sweet. Maybe we can do a, a bonus pod. <laughs> okay, I, I want you guys real quick. You said the numbers thing. I'm glad you brought it up. What was your favorite? Just it could be anything. Your favorite DJ stat that you saw on Sunday? Because, I mean, it could be career, it could be single round, single event, whatever. Um, what, what, was your, what was your favorite one? So uh, I think for me, it was the one from, uh, from No Laying Up, which I think you liked or retweeted, where ti- in 271 starts, Tiger Woods has oh. 71 wins, DJ's at 22, and Phil's at 20. Uh, it, you, you know what you did, Kyle, is you came up with the on pace for JT and Rory, which will obviously happen. Um, but, but I thought that was a great stat. You're just, yeah. you're just playing the role of Mark right now because he's not here. <laughs> uh, that is wild. And, and every Tiger stat looks wrong. It looks yeah. like a typo. Yeah. 71. And you have to put, like, because the, the no laying up stat was like Tiger 71, LOL. Like, you have to put LOL so that we know that's not a typo. That's yeah. how crazy that is. I mean, it, it would look like 41 would be a typo. Right. And it's yeah. 71. It's, it's crazy. I think mine, I think my favorite stat, and this you could pick any. I mean, you could pick whatever. But Ryan Palmer, three, four rounds of 68 or better, 367s. 67. It's not like a, you know, it's really good. And a 68 finishes T8 in a PGA Tour event with the 125 best guys, and he gets beat by 15. I mean, JT just tweeted this. He's like, I, I don't what, what I mean, he he kind of like had the caveat of I know everybody says this, but what course was DJ on? I mean, I, it's unreal. Like, I, I, I think it's like we're sort of blowing past it just because it's like, oh, DJ won another event by a lot. But to beat the entire field of an event with the 125 best guys on tour by 11, that's a joke. If it didn't finish in the dark, just to, if it didn't finish in the dark, Harris English would have finished 20 
under or better. And it would have been probably a 10 or 11 shot victory. So, DJ made birdie in the dark. I know. Now, he what, did. What, what, what is this? English. Look, this is all I'm saying. Harris English in my, uh, is basically finished at 20 under par and got beat by 10. I mean, the, the shot link tells me he basically finished at 19 under bar. If, if Sebastian Munoz did only had to play the front nine, he would have won this golf tournament. <laughs> Actually, D, DJ still would have won. <laughs> on, look, look, this is a, he, he's got four putts to come in solo second. It means nothing. There's, a, there's clearly a little bit of a rush. So I know he gets to 19 under, but he's at, he's at 20 going into one of the easiest holes on, yeah. the, on the property, and he gets beat by double digits. That, yeah. that never, it's not like he – Look, when Tiger was 12 under and won by 15 at the Open Championship, it, it's one thing to get to 12 under, but to, to reach 30 under is, I mean, it's only happened twice. It, it's unbelievable to me. That, that number just, it's hard for me to wrap my head around how low that actually is. It, it's an unfair comparison because what Tiger did, it sits on, on its own level. I'm just trying to say, if you're around par, it's easier to separate yourself. Getting to 10 under is easier than getting to 30 under, obviously. It's easier to make a par than it is to make a birdie. I know conditions are a huge thing here, and I'm talking myself in circles. <laughs> look, you, you reached I'm enjoying it. Par. I just want to go back to the stock market. Uh, <laughs> we apologize to our friends at the United States Golf Association. Tiger was 15 or won by 15 at their event, not at the Open Championship. That's a good, great, good point. Scott. And you. also, uh, just go to the strokes gained, right? Like, like right. we're talking about par, we're talking about all these numbers. Best strokes gained number, shout out Justin Ray, since Phil and Stinson uh, at the 16 Open at Troon, which was also in the conversation today because the women's Open was played there. The Phil, uh, well, we've talked about this before. We talked about this over break. The Phil coming in second thing is mind boggling, right? Oh, like, it, it, it had to be him. Yeah, it had to be him. No one else could do it. Uh, let's jump into driving the tour presented by Volvo and Dustin Johnson did all the driving all week long. This is his 22nd career PGA Tour victory now tied with Raymond Floyd. He is, oh, by the way, Greg, the new number one player in the world. That's just been a hot potato the last couple of weeks. DJ, we'll see how long he can hold on to it. I mean, we, we've kind of talked about this. He missed what? three greens all week i mean I, I, there's there's so many stats but also not enough ways to describe how incredible this was it, the thing is that is amazing to me is how easy it looked this yeah. just it, it didn't look like he was stressed at all it was it was a simply a putting contest can dj make it from 12 feet well, sometimes yes sometimes no but there, it was never like he was grinding it was never like oh dj's in trouble we could have a two-shot swing here you never felt that it was like how can he make another one can he really make is dustin johnson really on a 59 watch again on sunday <laughs> you he, i mean he had what eight feet on nine for uh 29 going yeah. out it, Greg, it was Greg's flabbergasted. <laughs> I was. It was. It was shot after shot. The shot on eight, I guess, to me was. It, it amazed me. The shot on nine amazed me. Those two holes were playing a little bit more difficult than other ones, and it was a situation where a lot of players would kind of take their foot off the gas. Right, you try to get it on the green. Make DJ had a completely different attitude today, and he did today what he wasn't able to do at the PGA Championship, uh, which is go uh, aggressive and really separate yourself. So it, it was impressive. Let's let's mine into that a little bit. Um, do, KP does DJ does he have speeds like like 
he only knows one speed, right? It's just like, I'm going to go out there and hit, like, he doesn't let his foot off the gas because there is no, there is no second gear. Third. It's just all playing golf for him, right? Yeah. And yeah, when, when Greg says, uh, you know, he's never really, uh, you know, you didn't see him stress. Have you ever seen him stress? Like, what, what's the last? Well, there, there are situations at the PGA Championship where he maybe has short-sighted himself or he's yeah. got a five-footer for par. And you can see he's really grinding over it. And, and I know, like, he's an easygoing guy, but there are moments where you can, you can tell, at least as a viewer, that it's a big moment in the tournament. And he didn't have that at all today. Which, you, know, you know what he grinded the most this week? was back nine when he shot 60 he was i mean there were a couple of like five footers that you're like man he is getting after i mean he was like it was from every angle the whole deal i think you know i brought this up multiple times this week but but i think it i think it's important because when i think about some of this stuff i go back to um so jt on was it saturday at the pga he goes out in like four under early and you're like oh is jt gonna make a run I think that when I think about how I would react in that situation, I would be thinking about, okay, what if I birdie eight? What if I birdie nine? What if I birdie, what if I eagle 11, whatever? And then all of a sudden I'm in it to win a major. That's how I would think if I was in JT's situation. I don't think JT thinks that, but I do think he thinks it more than somebody like DJ. I think that Rory thinks about it more than, I think everybody thinks about it more than somebody like DJ. And so DJ's ability to, we talk about it, about forgetting about shooting 80 or three putting at Chambers Bay or whatever, but it also applies to uh, going six under over the first four holes. He just does he's not thinking about that. He's thinking about the hole that he's playing and it, it's his greatest weapon. It's as, it's as good as he is from Tita Green, his greatest asset, and maybe this works against him at major championships for whatever reason, is his ability to, to be in the moment, to live in the moment that he's in and play the hole that he's on and not think about anything else. We call it reading the paper. If you're, if you're in that situation like JT getting out early, if I eagle 11, I could get to here. That, that's reading the paper. You're, you're um, reading the story that happens before it happens. And yeah. if you don't stay in the moment, you can't do it. And I agree with you. I think it's a great point. DJ's phenomenal at it. All right, Greg. So where, I mean, what is DJ's legacy then, right? I mean, 22 wins on the PGA Tour, one major championship. He is obviously a Hall of Famer, but like, wh where do we put this guy? What do we, what do, we do with his legacy? So um, back in quarantine, one of our evergreen episodes, quote unquote, we did um, player comparisons. Play mm -hmm. mod, uh, compare modern players to players uh, before the Tiger Woods era. And one of the players I drew was DJ. And I drew a comparison of him and Greg Norman. And um, in an in extreme positive and also an extreme kind of disappointment, they're very parallel in a lot of different ways. One, they win a lot. Two, they've been the best player of their generation, or at least in the conversation for most of their career. But there's also always the question of what if. And you always look at Greg Norman as a guy who has heartbreaking defeats. And Dustin Johnson ultimately is going to be looked at the same way. If I don't know what he could do to make us forget about or look at uh, Chambers Bay and Whistling Straits and um, and and you know the, the Saint US George Pebble Beach Royal Saint George's all these different situations and majors, which happen almost every year. It's really amazing to look at these heartbreaking losses. I know right now we look at it as, well, it doesn't really 
it doesn't really bother him, but there, that affects his legacy. And for him to have one major is, uh, is a little bit of a letdown. So if he gets two, we're still going to wonder what if. And unfortunately, we see this kind of week and we think this guy is so talented. He's the best player of our generation. But at the end of his career, we're always going to wonder what if. So two things here. One, DJ shooting a disappointing 60 in an event that he won by 11, like is the summation of his career. Like that's yeah. his, that's his career right there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds idiotic, but it's true. And then two, I think, I think it's weird that he's never con- like really contended at Augusta because when when so two reasons one he goes to Augusta it's like a par 68 I mean just the way he hits it the way he shapes it 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 just is right and two I think he's a really great putter like I don't know there have been moments where you're like oh maybe he's not but I I just feel like you look at the numbers you watch him he's he's his speed is really good he he's just I I, he doesn't stand over a five footer and I'm like oh this is like 50 50 I just I think it's going in every time and that's maybe not the best way to like describe to like say how good somebody is at putting, but those are two things that you look at Augusta and it's like, man, how, how has that not happened? So I think to answer your question, Greg, I think him winning a masters would be, would, would I think negate a little bit of the, the major championship talk. So there, one maybe that happened with Sergio. Say that again. Sorry, Rick. Do you feel like when Sergio won the Masters, it, it had that effect? Or is it different because it's a first time? What do you think about that? Because Sergio has a lot of heartbreaking defeat in majors too, and he eventually wins a major. I know for me, I still think, what if with Sergio? I think of him as an extremely talented player who, with all he's accomplished, has underperformed. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the interesting thing there is I think Sergio is a one – like a one major club guy, like in this generation, you've got all these guys, the Adam Scott, the Justin Rose. And these are, these are guys that are DJ's age, right? Uh, Adam Scott, Justin Rose, uh, Sergio. I'm trying to think of who else has uh, Jason days, a little younger. Um, These different kind of 35 to 40 year old guys that all have one major. I don't think about DJ in that club. Um, I think about him as like a three or four major guy. And so I, I do think it's a little bit different than uh, a Sergio winning the Masters. There was a great tweet from Sean Martin about whose resume would you rather have, either Brooks or DJ? And after 284 votes, it was exactly 50-50, which I thought was perfect. <laughs> so now we have to talk about it because I think it's a really good question. Greg, we'll start with you. You can choose... Dustin Johnson's now 22 wins and one major or Brooks's seven PGA wins, four major championships. And if you would like me to tell you where they stand on the career money list, because that's all I care about. Dustin Johnson, 64 mil, Brooks Kepka, 31 mil. You are so greedy, Rick. Come on. <laughs> I'm only teasing. I, I want the fat checks. Here, here's – this is such a hard one for me. I, I sit in two places and both of them have things that I, uh, that I view very highly. Majors are the, I mean, it's, it's what we all play for, right? It's a, well, the, we don't thing of the castle. Well, <laughs> in a way we do. Brooks, what way? <laughs> so Brooks has, well, look, I mean, we, we gear up for majors. We get nervous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess right. In our covering, look, it's all about majors. We are yes, analyzing sure. players yeah. with the idea of majors in mind, always. 
what are they going to do at the U.S. Open? That's probably a thought we have about DJ. Maybe a question we come up with later on in the show. But here, so majors are the the um, the king of the castle here, for lack of a better term. And then you have longevity, which for me is another really important thing. And there are a couple of players whose careers are um, maybe overinflated because of majors. And Brooks is too soon to tell yet, but Jordan Spieth, for instance, if his play continues, he's a Hall of Famer because of basically three years of his career. A three-year mm-hmm. period, he became a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Brooks Koepka, if, if he doesn't continue to do great things, which I'm not saying is going to happen, it's just if it, if it ended today, if he kind of did what Jordan Spieth has done, he would be a Hall of Famer because of uh, three years of his career. Whereas DJ has played now 13 seasons that have been – He's been one of the best players in all 13 seasons. And I have a, I put a really high value on that. Add double, uh, double the money. I, I mean, I think I side with DJ here, which is hard to say with only one major versus four. I think I'm, I think I'm Brooks, but <clears throat> the major thing is, I'm surprised by that. Well, yeah. Four majors is a lot. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, and, and to, and to short list. Yeah, it, it's it's really crazy. Um, I think we – it's hard. Like, Zach Johnson has more majors than DJ. Angel Cabrera has more majors than DJ. So do we do we overrate, like, how many majors a guy – I mean, look, like, DJ went out – again, the 125 best guys in the field are in, on the PGA Tour this year and just smoked everybody. And and I, I feel like we kind of underrate that. It's like, it's like is that – is that not better than what Brooks did at Bell Reeve? I, I mean, I, I get it. Like, it, it, it counts differently when you call it a major and whatever. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, DJ's career has been unbelievable. I would still take the four majors, but I, I do think we kind of a little bit underrate uh, what DJ has done. And then the other thing is, like, you win a U.S. Open at Oakmont. That's, I mean, that should count as, like, two. And with the way he played the 18th hole there, it should count as like three because it was because awesome. you played there. Well, I, and I was, you know, I was like 10 feet from him when he hit that shot. But uh, the other thing about the Brooks DJ uh, corollary is I think Brooks kind of going after DJ and all this stuff. I think it's kind of made me like DJ more than I used to. I, I feel like I appreciate just kind of his vibe, what he does, who he is. I, I've really, over the last few years, grown to, uh, appreciate not only his play, but just kind of his aura and like his his deal on the PGA Tour. So I think that's been one interesting thing that's kind of unfolded over the last few years for DJ. Yeah, um, I I think I take D- if DJ had zero majors, I'd probably side with Brooks. He's got one. He's got all the WGCs. He's got the the playoff events. He's got. I mean, like, come on, it, it's an unbelievable career, and I think that we overvalue kind of the randomness of four specific events every year like they're very hard to win you just want that 64 mil yeah you're darn right i do (laughs) i I got a question i want to get rick's take on this because i i have been thinking about this i find it interesting so i consider the tiger era the original tiger era to have ended um in 2009 right after (laughs) when (laughs) yang right I, i consider that to be the end of the tiger's dominance now i know he's one of me i know all that i'm just saying since that point basically from 2010 until now mm-hmm. i think there are two players who have been the, the best players in that in this new era and it's dj and rory to right, me yeah. 
do you guys have a, a do you side one way or another? Is it Rory because he's got four majors? No question, or because I think DJ is really close. If you only look at from 2010 on, I think it's Rory because there's a very natural synergy. I think he can, I think he emerged in 2010. Like there's a very natural like here was his start point. He took over from Tiger and he was great for the next 10 years. But if you kind of want to go like yeah, a couple years earlier than that, like I think DJ's resume is better, but it's like Rory's more natural of a fit. It feels like I think it's I think it's Rory because he kind of combines the Brooks and DJ stuff where he's got the majors, but he also I mean, the thing I was looking up and you referenced this earlier, Greg. Uh, DJ's won what was it twenty two of two seventy one? I yeah, think that's that's it. What's the percentage there? Uh, really good. Let eight me nine. I think it's eight percent. Rory's Rory's won eighteen of I think one eighty one. I looked it up. So he wins about one out of every ten events, right? So. It's it's hard for me to go just because he doesn't have as many wins uh, and he hasn't played as many events. It's hard for me to go against you just because you're a little younger and haven't won quite as many times as DJ, especially when you've got the four majors compared to one. Yeah, four four is a lot. That's a lot. Fun fact: Dustin Johnson's first PGA Tour victory, the Turning Stone Resort Championship. That's where we used to go when we were 18 because it was on an Indian reservation. It's the only place you could gamble before you were 21. <laughs> so we drive up there. <laughs> That's your fun fact. Um, Harris English. Wait, can you, can you guys tell me who finished second in that event? Wrong, wrong answers only. Oh, um, <laughs> who's the guy on golf? Noda Begay Jr. Noda, Did he? Yeah, no, Junior. But, but he, Noda Begay the third? What is he, the third? The third, yeah. Okay. The, that would have been, his dad would have been pretty old. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's won that event. So... I would have to look this up, so that's actually a pretty good guess. I, 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 I'm looking at it, so I know who finished second. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, you do know? Yeah. And it was Noda Begay? No. Oh. It was, it was Robert Allenby. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, not bad. Bob, He's also Bob Allenby. Uh, yeah, I was trying to find the full leaderboard, but I couldn't find it. Uh, Harris English wins the B flight. <laughs> which is such a great headline here from producer Jacob. Um, I, I can't wait to run the strokes gain numbers uh, later, but Greg, like he's going to be basically, it's going to be like him and Berger are going to be like the two best guys in the restart. Like they're, they've, they've both been phenomenal. Harris English just piling up top twenties all over the place. He's going to be six in the FedEx cup standing. So we're going to be talking about him deep into two more weeks here. Berger and English have a, uh, something very similar in common to me. Um, they are players who, over the past couple of years have been underperforming for different reasons. I, I don't know about a Harris English injury. I know Berger had the wrist injury in 2018, but when, when Berger first came out, he was a rookie of the year in a great class, a class with Justin Thomas. Harris English came out as a, as a superstar. And I know when he first came out, he was one of my favorite players to watch. I thought yeah. he had a beautiful golf swing and he was a really talented ball striker and he won early on. And then he lost his, uh, his, iron play his iron play basically went sideways kind of like jason day he was always a great putter uh, uh, or very very good putter kind of inside the top 30 most of the years and now all of a sudden after losing his card last year and earning it through limited starts in the fall he's sixth i mean he has a chance to win the fedex cup and he didn't start this season with a pga tour card with full status on tour that's incredible uh which speaks to a, a number of things but 
Harris English is a better player than he has been in the past. His DNA as a player is far better than a guy who's teetering on the brink of keeping his card or not. He, he belongs in this situation, and Daniel Berger does too. And it's really cool to see these guys kind of get back into form and, and show how much talent they really have. These are the guys that, like, uh, I think Greg is right, that he's, like, sneaky to kind of win the Tour Championship because he's just been piling up FedEx Cup points. So if you look at this, he's, what, sixth now? He would start, Kyle, at four under. And if he continues to have this success next week and he can, you know, maybe he can start six under or seven under, like, that's a legitimate shot when like even if you have better players who are below him when you spot a golfer you know three four five shots over the course of the week it's 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 hard to come back from by the way can you imagine if dj shot this when he was starting out at uh 10 under oh, oh imagine he, no imagine he if he imagine if he did it starting from even par and he still won the event that, that would, would i would lose my mind that would be sick I, I think I I agree with what Greg said about Harris English. I I was texting with a friend today who used to <clears throat> caddy for Peter Uline on the European or like when he was on the Challenge Tour over there with Kepka, and we ha we have this kind of longstanding thing about like Harris English is a stud and he doesn't really get talked about. And and look, everybody in college is a stud. If you're if you're getting out on the PGA Tour and winning early, you're you're a stud. But his ball striking is just, I mean, Greg said it, it's, I watched him at three woods at uh, colonial one year and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what is that? I mean, just his ball fight is unbelievable. And I think what happens sometimes early on is when you have success, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm awesome. I can contend. And, and you know, I read this article, I think it was on uh, golf week. It, it felt like he got a little complacent, a little bit like, I don't know about coasting, but just not putting in maybe the work that was necessary. And you see what happens when he kind of turns it around. I mean, his year, and I kind of came in out of the, or into the restart thinking like, Harris English has been really good. I, I, by the way, I got just housed for talking about Daniel Berger as a top five guy. Guess, yeah. guess, guess who's been the best player since the restart, people? Yeah, you were uh, – don't clip this. You, you were right. <laughs> yeah, he's been awesome. He's been so, like so both of those guys, I think Berger – I think both of those guys are really interesting dark horse guys for uh, Eastlake. They shouldn't be dark horses. They, they're in a situation – you look at their, their games in total – and they shouldn't be dark horses. This is not just a, a fling of good play. These guys are legitimately good players. So I, yeah, but, I believe they belong where they are. But the odds thing is just it's just names, right? Like it's it it doesn't like that's the reason you're a dark horse. It's not because you're not playing great golf. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. There was a guy uh, wearing <laughs> black and red. <laughs> on Sunday who birdied his first four holes of the day and I forgot what year it was gentlemen uh because Tiger Woods goes out and shoots a five under 66 and Kyle we talked about this a little bit on HQ um past the eye test past kind of like the stat profile you'd like to see now I want to pump the brakes because this is like one round out of how many we've seen from him recently that looks like this, but um, pretty good day for Tiger. It was. And I think you kind of go into Olympia fields like, okay, well, 
and, and we, we do this thing and I, I loved what you had on, on JT and we can talk about it in a second if you want. Actually, why don't you, why don't you give your JT step? The JT putting step. So JT lost four strokes putting this week. Obviously terrible. The last five events after he's lost four strokes putting, he won the 2017 PGA Championship. He finished second at the 2017 Tour Championship. He finished 12th at the 2019 FedEx St. Jude, third at the Waste Management, second at the Workday Charity Open. So absolutely dominant, basically dominant bounce back weeks. So what that, and, and this is why you and I always holler about this, all of us always holler about this, is when you're a really good putter like JT, statistically, it's just, you're not going to have those two weeks in a row. And I think with Tiger... I think he's still a really good putter. I think. I mean, the the recent evidence is that he's not. Uh, but if he is, and and you're hitting the ball like he was on Sunday, even if you're a zero putter, shout out Colin Morikawa, you're going to be in it, right? And so I, I I think you can. I think there's reason to go to Olympia Fields with some optimism. I also think Olympia Fields. Who knows? I Doug thought it would. Uh, he said on HQ, he thought it would play a little easy because of all the rain. I think it's certainly going to be tougher than 30 under. Uh, so. It would be hard not to be tougher than that. But I think Tiger wants it hard. He wants it firm, fast, difficult. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, he has to finish in the top six to make it to Eastlake. I don't know if he necessarily even wants to do that uh, based on, <laughs> you know, how long the playoffs are and the U.S. <laughs> Open coming up. But, yeah, I, I think I'm – Cautiously optimistic. So, Tiger's ideal finish is like seventh, just misses out on the tour championship, but he played well all week. He can take all those good feels to uh yeah. to winged foot and not have to play three weeks. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh Greg, 16 of 18 greens in regulation. He went out in 31. He played the back nine even. We've been saying all week that's the harder side. It's kind of hard to keep your foot on the pedal that long. But what did you see out of Tiger and what do we make of it moving forward? Well, uh, what did I, it was a great round of golf, right? I mean, uh, it's a little disappointing to finish with nine straight pars the way he did, but I thought it was a very good round of golf. Now, here's the thing about going forward is we've seen him play great rounds of golf, but, you know, what is he, he – he has had a hard time spurring on momentum, and it speaks a little bit to rust. He gets himself in a situation or a putt doesn't fall or, you know, he misses a fairway, doesn't have an angle at, at a hole where everybody's making birdie. There, there are these situations that he's facing where he's having a hard time, for one reason or another, stringing it together and carrying out and completing a round of golf, completing four rounds of golf for a tournament. And that's what we're lacking from Tiger right now, those two middle rounds that we saw this week uh, we've kind of seen over the past couple weeks where the, the middle rounds aren't great. And he, it, it's exactly what he did at the PGA Championship. He's in the mix. He's out of the mix. He's out of the mix. Uh, he plays a great round on Sunday. And we think that's going to lead to something going forward. It reminds me of, and Rick, we've talked about this before, like the San Francisco 49ers, the year they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, and they have zero wins. They get Garoppolo, they win four in a row, and everybody picks them to win the Super Bowl next year. Those four games are a lot different than the first four games of the next season because the pressure level is completely different. So, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I got to see Tiger string four together. I, I'm not sure this is the week. I'm not crazy about Tiger on golf courses that he – uh, doesn't know. I guess Bell Reeve would be an exception to that. But when Tiger goes onto courses that are are, so, I guess Zozo too. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll tough, see tough scene for you there. 
Yeah, that, was a, that was not a great one. I typically like Tiger on courses like Augusta National, places he knows he tends to come in with a little bit more confidence. And you're, you're more likely to see the, the bad tournament. You're more likely to see the what we saw at Harding Park where maybe he makes a cut, maybe he doesn't. And it goes sideways on, on some new courses. I think to your point, though, like when nobody knows the course – including him, I think that is beneficial to him because I think he's smarter than everybody else and like can see misses that, that other people don't see. Uh, what do you guys think about his quote after uh, Sunday about how he, he's – and Rory ha- had some stuff on this also – about how they've kind of struggled with not having fans because not only does it buoy them and give them energy – but it also is a detractor to whoever they're playing with. If you're playing with, uh, I don't know, Harry Higgs, who's not used to having 10K people lining the fairways uh, of, the, of, the, of the round that you're in, that's going to be a benefit to Tiger. What, what did you guys think about some of those quotes? I, I think it makes sense. I mean, I don't know whether it's because they used it. I mean, they're saying they used it as momentum. They used it for energy. It obviously hurts. We know it. We've heard this for two decades. It hurts the guys that Tiger is playing with all that stuff. But I just think those guys had the most drastic change, uh, good or bad. It was the most drastic change mm-hmm. because if you go to, I mean, we, we, if you're on the grounds at a golf tournament, we say this every like 90% of the people are following two or three groups. You can yeah. watch anyone else you want. So like 90% of the field has like 30 people following them around all the time. So this is completely normal. So I guess I I understand the energy part of it, you know, spurring them through 18 holes, especially throughout the, the, the duration of the week. But I just think those guys are like, wow, this is really different. Like I've, I haven't played golf like this in a long time and change might not be good. Yeah. I, I yeah. do think that um, Kyle, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, actually, when, when all this first started happening and Tiger was going to come back, we talked about, uh, what Rory said at the Genesis and how it costs Tiger at least a quarter of a shot every time he tees it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I understand the competitive advantage that Tiger has with spectators. He has an advantage that his playing partner and the group in front of him, they're, they're not used to that. So it, it, it affects three or four people, um, depending on whether they're playing in threesomes or, or twosomes. That's usually all it affects. Now, yeah. if Tiger's sitting in the lead or in the second to last group or around the lead, then I think it's a huge advantage. If Tiger's first out on Saturday morning uh, or on Sunday morning, I don't think there's really much there. Maybe it spurs him on a little bit. I guess you could see that, but uh, I, I think it matters most when Tiger's in contention on Sunday. That's yeah, a, it's a great point. I, I think I was – I think I was wrong about thinking that it would be beneficial to Tiger and kind of the other superstars. I, I really think, I, I mean, I watched most of their round on Saturday and, and then again on Sunday and it was just listless. Like there was just nothing there, you know, for, for both Rory and Tiger. And I mean, some of that Rory said, look, I'm not playing well, so I'm not like getting myself fired up. And, and, you know, you've seen other superstars uh, thrive as, you know, JT's one, like it, it, it hasn't, necessarily negatively affected everybody but I, I i don't think i took into account how much guys were kind of used to that and and would feed off of it a little bit even on saturday the, the, and i said this yesterday but those guys go out and um they're not they're playing bad they're you know normally you would have like kind of the the, the crowd to 
just put on a show for and they didn't have that and it was just it was weird like the whole thing was bizarre and it kind of felt like that all weekend um so i don't know i'm interested to see kind of how that progresses into the u.s open especially the masters masters is going to be so weird without without people there and uh, i don't know i don't know if that necessarily affects or benefits one guy or another but i i do think it's come into play with tiger rory guys like that more than i thought it would I want to see that Rory bounce. I want to see that little bounce in a step from uh, from green to the next tee. I haven't seen it in like 11 weeks. I'm looking did, forward to did it. Did you see the question he got asked about uh, what's the difference? <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I feel bad. I, I sort of took the question out of context because it was so funny, but I pulled it from the transcript. It said, what's the difference between a triple bogey and a birdie? And he said, I don't know. I usually four, four strokes. strokes. What, what was the point of the question, though? I did not see the context. I don't they, get well, it. Well, I think the, the question was getting at, like, how fine is the line between success and failure? Got it. But it, it could have That's, been asked a little better. It could have said, how fine is the line between success and failure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the, the, my favorite quote of all time is when that reporter asked Mark Leishman if he knows what he doesn't know. And, and Mark Leishman's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? What? I, I don't. Yeah, and, there's, and he finally, he, he finally goes, uh, no. And we're like, okay, no, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Uh, best thing ever. Uh, let's talk about who's moving on and who is not. Uh, I will say this. I dunk on the FedEx cup points basically all season long. Um, I, I kind of love this now, like, like in the right moments, like this, these tournaments are awesome yeah. when, when there's so much on the line Moving on, Jason Kokrak, who makes Eagle on 18 to get in. Good for you, Jason Kokrak. Mav McNeely holds on. Max Homa holds on. CH3. And Louis Oosthuizen is the final man in by making birdie on 18 after the weather delay to knock out friend of the pod, Doc Redman, who is going to be the bubble boy at number 71. Greg, I mean, a lot of drama. I liked it. Yeah, and it, it was after the weather delay, and everybody's thinking this is just done, right? The the, the weather delay kind of ended it. We know DJ is going to win. We get the outcome, but I thought this was one of my favorite moments watching this. Louis got his green book out. He's reading the putt. It, this is they're showing graphics of how important this is. And my wife sitting next to me, like it's a thunderstorm's coming. Hurry up! What what do you have your green book? Out? <laughs> a pamphlet. What do you have your little pamphlet out? For? <laughs> his I'm like, brochure. Do you understand how much how much money this two putt is worth you have no idea the line between 70 and 71 is extraordinary this week so i thought that was quite entertaining and i love louis sorry for doc but i know that he's got a lot of great years ahead of him the, louis was even taking his hat off because it was so dark to try to get more light under there so he could see what was going on um kp this this the drama's great uh it feels much easier i think i think the telecast is better at it. Maybe the tour is better at it. Keeping us up to date on what's going on. I remember, I feel like five years ago, you, they were like trying to like launch a nuclear reactor or something like with how complicated it was. And no one had any idea what was happening. I feel like it's at least being presented in a much better way now. Well, I think it also is beneficial that everybody's on shot link now. And so you, at least we are, you can kind of keep up to date as guys are in different parts of the course. Um, I was going to bring something up here. Oh, you know, speaking of the thunderstorm, you know, what would have been better than winning by 11 is it getting delayed until Monday and DJ being like, I'm good. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go into Chicago. 
<laughs> and he just like WDs. Yeah. And then the other thing, there's another, there's another guy on this list. Uh, and I, 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 I've, you know, kind of been following him all year, but he got, he's gotten more airtime recently, especially in this tournament. And uh, it's Harry Higgs. I mean, he has like the vibe that you want. I mean, he's got his he's got his shirt undone to about like like right there, right? At least. And he, I mean, he's got he's his vibe is aspirational. Like I desire it. It's a, it's amazing. I was glad to see him move on. He's forty seven, head of Tiger. Um, so he was was Pebble Beach. I think Pebble Beach was before waste management or after waste management. Oh gosh. I think it's uh, after. I think after. It is after, I believe. Okay. So that makes more sense because he rode his uh driver like a horse at waste management and then got <laughs> and then his partner at uh Pebble Beach was Jay Monahan, who I felt like was just paired up with him to make sure he wouldn't do anything crazy. The boo the boo weekly. The boo weekly move. <laughs> oh man. So good. Um all right. We gotta we gotta wrap up on the picks for the week. We have a, a winner for the matchups. We also had an outright winner. Uh, we got a couple odds and ends, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost. Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. And we're back. Matchups for the week. At 5-3, and three, earning his fourth matchup belt of the season. Kyle Porter, congratulations. Uh, who did I have... That's what I, I was had, just looking I at. Had, uh, who did I have that you had? Oh, I had Webb over Cantlay. Oh, Greg didn't get credit for Webb. That's crooked, producer Jacob. I had uh, I had Rory over Rom. That wasn't good. And the then I had, the, the, yeah. I had Xander over DJ. That was close. I think DJ got it <laughs> by like 23. At least. Yeah, so you missed uh, you missed Rory over Rom. You missed Xander over DJ. You missed Day over Morikawa, but you uh, swept the rest of them. Yeah, Day was my pick to win, and he missed the cut. My, my one and done has been just an abomination since the restart. I've earned like 100K. Yeah, it hasn't been good. Who did you go this week? Day. Jason Day. It's tough. Tough scene. Uh, yes. speaking, hey, of, speaking of picks hey. to win – 
Uh, who, which one of us had Dustin Johnson? Oh, it wasn't me. Obviously the silence is deafening. It was me. (laughs) It was me. Dustin, Greg, I'm sure you're still wet. Who did you have in the one and done? I'm sure, pretty sure you're still way up in this thing. Um, man, it was, I'm I'm looking it up right now. Maybe JT. Uh, no, I, I don't think, um, I think I had Bryson. Jeez. Uh, Greg's winning. He's got 5.1 million mark bucks or whatever we're calling them. <laughs> mark uh, you you had uh, you had JT. So he he got okay. you 23,000. Uh, Jacob had Xander and Rick Rick had Sungjae miscut. Yeah, yeah, I'm out of guys. I'm out. And, I had uh, to play mark, mark Immelman had Billy Horschel. Mark, I th- Mark's like bragging about how he's saved guys for the end of the year, and you got Billy Horschel in the first round of the playoffs. I thought he told us he was saving Rory for. Oh no, Rory's for uh, for next East week Lake. or for Eastlake. Yeah, Eastlake. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, Greg is up. I mean, I don't know if we can catch Greg. Well, we're trying to convince Jacob to uh, like extend it two more seasons or something, <laughs> so we have a chance. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm getting. I'm going to be picking Harry Higgs at next year's tour championship. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of, uh, producer Jacob puts together that cheat sheet every week, which uh, I'm pretty sure crushed this week. So you check that out on the socials. Uh, here was a, I guess it wasn't all that fun for Scotty Scheffler's caddy, but a fun little moment on the telecast today. Uh, we had a caddy go down in the midst of this battle on the back nine on Sunday. Uh, Pops, he said, this is the quote he said uh i heard a pop i don't know if it was my calf or the club hitting the golf bag well i can guess dude you couldn't walk afterwards so it wasn't the club <laughs> what i couldn't understand that why couldn't he walk if it might have been the club in the golf bag yeah, i don't get I, it i i don't either i think that's called shock <laughs> anyway i hope he's doing well but how how would you guys do kp we'll start with you um, could you show up, keep up, and shut up out there? Uh, I, you know what the hardest part was? So I played in a program like, I don't know, six years ago. And the hardest part about all of it is is not is like knowing where to go on the green. Yeah. Everything else, you're like, okay, whatever. When you get up on the green, it is like, the, you know, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with anything. <laughs> like, I'm walking in people's lines. I, I, that's the part where I would just – I would walk to the next tee and put the bag down and then just carry whatever I needed back to, <laughs> to help out because it, it would be a disaster. Um, okay. So I think the hardest part and Greg, I'd like your thought. So obviously like I'm not giving anybody a number. Like I, I don't know. You hit whatever you got to get your own numbers, but also I can't rake a bunker properly, which I feel like there is a very specific technique to this uh, that I would be toes up with. That's Per, you could have caddy for DJ. There's no bunker raking, and AJ and Austin doesn't give him numbers anyway. Or D or DJ doesn't at least wait for them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess I could carry DJ's bag. Although he I would. probably could not physically carry DJ's bag. <laughs> so I'm out on this, Greg. I'm like legit out on being a caddy. Raking the bunkers is a really important thing, and um, it there is a technique, but it's really easy to learn. Like, like it, it, it's not a hard thing to figure out. You go ask another guy. I know you can't do that spot on, right? You get pulled out of the crowd. That's a tough situation. Hopefully you're in the last group. 
Um, but the hardest thing is it, disinfecting the rake. I mean, you haven't been schooled on that. How do you go about the, these new protocols? These are things, when you go play golf on a, a day-to-day basis, you rake a bunker, right? You just do it with a little extra care, a little, you know, do, do a good job. It's nothing, it's not rocket science here, but now you got to disinfect the handle. That is, uh, that's a different story. How do you think, uh, what, if you get pulled out of the crowd to carry a bag on tour for a guy who's in like the final group or two on Sunday, uh, and you will carry it for nine holes, what, what, how do I get compensated for this? Is this like a couple autographs or do I, yeah, I want like, I want what? It's one it's, eighth of it. <laughs> it's a prorated 7% of like 600 K or whatever it was. Yeah. Just mail me a check. I'll give you my address. Yeah, that's right? like, like $7,000 deal i'll take it uh awesome moment in the aig women's open sophia popoff have i pronounced that correctly we'll go with that yeah um wins this thing she was like ready to give up golf a year ago kp and she didn't even have status on the lpga goes out and wins this bad boy quote of the year afterwards she said (laughs) that Winning today was a little different than winning on the cactus tour. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, I bet it was. It was, it was cool. Um, you know, I watched kind of the end of it there at, at Troon. And Troon, by the way, uh, Todd Hamilton won there back in, what was that, 02, 01, whatever. Um, as kind of a, you know, he wasn't as much, he, wa- he wasn't that low in, in the world golf rankings. But it's produced some really... Um, some real unique winners and, and her story. I mean, she's 304th in the world. She's playing a Symmetra tour event in Arizona last week. And she was like, look, I'm, com- I was committed to the Symmetra tour to, to earning points there, to earning money there. And the women's open was a little bit of a, not an afterthought, but just, I think she said like a bonus. <laughs> she goes out and wins it. I mean, I, I would have shot like 98 if I was her on, on Sunday. And, and she was, she was kind of nails. It was, it was pretty cool. Speaking of caddying, Greg, she was caddying in an LPGA event three weeks ago. Uh, this is like, they'll make a movie about this. So it'll be like a 30 or 30 or for something. Like, this is, this is awesome. It, this is the stuff of movie. I mean, it's so well said. This is the story from a, from a movie. Uh, I, I do think this is the most likely major championship venue for it to happen. Well, not the venue, but the Open Championship. Uh, the yeah. ladies. This is the most likely scenario because you have such unique, such, uh, unique conditions. And if you look at Thursday and Friday's rounds, I mean, it was the wind was howling out there, and it it creates um, it, a, uh, in a way a level playing field. It becomes very uh, a very different playing experience than um, than playing here in the U.S. So it, it, it's a great win, it's something that we'll all remember for for a very long time. She'll certainly remember forever. So uh, extremely exciting, and I can't wait to watch the movie. Can't wait to watch the movie. I, maybe I, I always thought I could be an extra in a movie, or I could be like the like the corpse. Like I, I think I play a good corpse. So I'm gonna. <laughs> See if I can get into this thing. Um, real quick, Greg, you and I will do the whole breakdown for next week's BMW Championship, but I want to talk about potential guys that we have here. So, um, Kyle, we'll start with you. On HQ, I believe you made a case for Bryson. Now, I will give you some slack here. It is Sunday evening. You don't have to commit to Bryson, but what makes you think his game could translate to uh, Olympia Fields? Sorry, I was trying to figure out where Tom Watson was ranked when he almost won the Open in in uh, in 09. Um, 
Well, he was he was 1,353 at the end of 2008. But I don't know, I don't know what he was like the week before the open. Got it. Um, well, I, the thing, the case for Bryson, he won the USAM here. I haven't studied Olympic fields a lot, so that was probably like uh, a not great answer. <laughs> I'm basically just going on the fact that he's won here before. I think, you know, based on the very little that I know about it, it seems like uh, it seems kind of Oakmont-ish in that it's like just a heavy course. Like it just is kind of brawny and burly. And you think about what Bryson's trying to do, it seems like that would kind of like play well uh, at a place like that. It did when he won the USAM and maybe even more so now. So uh, he hadn't played that well recently. You know, he, he, he wasn't – he missed a cut uh, at TPC Boston – um, he was okay at the PGA championship. I guess he finished top 10 there. So that, that was a good, that was a good outing, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'm intrigued by, um, his prospects next week based on kind of his past history there. Uh, I've already focused a bit on Justin Thomas because of those bounce back putting stats, as we referred to earlier in the episode, Greg, is there one guy in particular you're, uh, thinking about for next week? First guy that comes to mind is Bryson. Um, I'm kind of with Kyle on there. I, and I have a just a, like Kyle, kind of limited Olympia Fields knowledge, but I did read that there are um, both the par fives are over 600 yards and they're really long. Uh, there's a par three that's over 250 yards that's really long. And we talked about this uh, last week, Rick, leading into TPC Boston. When you have shorter uh, shorter reachable par fives uh, and drivable par fours, and they're reachable for everybody. Is it really an advantage for Bryson to have his length, or is that advantage limited? Because we know it's always an advantage. Um, and and here, hearing that about the par fives, that presents a real opportunity for Bryson to succeed. Combine that with the fact that he's comfortable here. He's won here. Not a lot of guys played in that 2015 USAM. Uh, John Rahm did. He he lost in I think the quarterfinals. He was a part of that tournament as well. But other than that, I mean, you're looking at a Tiger Woods from 2003 who came and tied 20th there. So there's very, very sparse, um, limited uh, course history here. Matthew Wolf. Uh, Matthew Wolf also won there in college. Matthew Wolf also, um, I guess we could play the what if game. If you remove the 77 that he shot on Saturday, was like lights out at at uh tpc boston by the way yeah what, what happened he was my sleeper for the week and i'm i'm thinking okay matthew wolf can re- he's got something go and then he shoots 77 what was he what, what what's he doing out there? well i think he i think he's going to be one of those guys that you you're going to say that a lot where he'll he'll go three rounds or you know 63 holes of just lights out play and then you're like well what was that nine hole stretch where he shot a 41 i think that's just like who he is and that's not a bad thing you can win a lot of tournaments like that but i think that's kind of who he's going to be going forward he's also very young he'll mature through that and and figure out how to avoid the big number how to avoid the 77 how to turn a 77 into a 72 or something like that like we talk about with some of these other guys yeah all right gentlemen Unbelievable historic Northern Trust. We head to Chicago next week. We'll be here to break it all down. Let me thank Greg Ducharme for joining. You can find him on Twitter at the Real GFD. You can find Kyle Porter on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time.
May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.